Welcome to The Marketer's Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now here's your host, Randy Frisch. Welcome to The Marketer's Journey. I'm Randy and today I get to chat with Ashley Stepien. Ashley is the VP of Marketing at Ramp. And if you haven't heard about Ramp, they are literally ramping quickly. As an example, she shares that she had one marketer six months ago and 21 of them today. This company is on fire and in those moments, she shares the importance of understanding the voice of the customer and creating an amazing customer experience along the way. Now, the unique part about Ashley's background that I think really helps her in this type of company is that she started her career not in a traditional marketing role, but inside of a marketing organization in a consulting role understanding the needs of customers and having to diagnose what their unique problems were and how the company could solve. She did that at Marketo. She went on to do that at a company called Aperio. And she went on to other opportunities where she learned the different ways that we can coerce a customer through a buyer journey. You know, companies like Pendo, which she shares some of the knowledge that ramps her back to her role today. Thank you so much for stopping in. I am really excited to chat with you about how you've gotten to be the VP of marketing at Ramp. Uh, you know, no pun intended, this company is you know taking off uh, in so many ways from what I've heard. Tell us how this opportunity fell in your lap. Yeah, thank you. Um, really happy to be here. And um, yeah, Ramp, it's been a wild journey the time that I've been here. Um, but I was really fortunate to learn about Ramp and meet the founding team through um, shared board members that I'd had previously in my past. Those board members knew my skill set. They knew where Ramp was going and they thought we would be a natural fit. And they were right. I, I couldn't be happier to have landed here. That's so exciting. And tell us a little bit about the size of Ramp now, even maybe from six months ago, because I know there's a lot of hiring going on there. Yeah, um, we're just about to, or may have, just crossed the 200 person threshold. Um, and we have more than doubled in this past year. Um, my team alone has grown from one full-time headcount to 21 people over the course of nine months. So growing real rapidly. Amazing. And, and we were chatting before we went live. You, I, I don't know if I could say you stole someone from me, but you beat me to them. Uh, <laughs> and, and I guess that's the mindset we have to have today. We got to hire quickly and fill out some of these roles to continue to grow. Let's let's talk about how you've grown in your career. And I don't know if I'm more impressed with the logos you've been with, you know, Pendo, Aperio, Marketo, or some of the other marketers that have led in your type of role now. I think back to you know guests on our show like Chandar and Latney and you know Joe was on the show recently. How much did those leaders shape the type of leader you are today? Uh, those leaders shaped me 100 percent I am so, so grateful to have been in the presence of people like Latney, people like Joe Chernoff, people like Jake Sorothman. They are people who, more than anything, nurtured my natural instincts, which are probably, uh, it's probably the hardest thing as a leader to um, earn that trust of your own instincts. Interesting. 
Well, one of the things that's unique though, and I, I'm curious if it was a marketing leader who called this out or whether you just kind of found your way into marketing, but at Marketo specifically, which you know I know is almost 10 years ago, you were in more of a consulting role. And mm-hmm. I look back, one of, one of the best marketers I've had on my team, he's no longer with us now, but he actually came from a CS role where he understood the product and it made him an amazing product marketer. How much did that shape you? Honestly, I think it's probably the reason I'm sitting where I am today. Coming up through customer success and consulting and, and services in general really forced me to be able to look at problems through new eyes. As a leader, I think a lot of times you're put into a situation where you don't have the luxury of having all of the context or all of the insights of the problems that you're being presented with. So you really have to figure out the threads to pull and and look for the, the true causes of the issue to find the solution. You have to do it quickly, which is everything that a consultant is. You're dropped into a situation where you may not have all of the context and you have to look for the key threads to get to the solution pretty quickly. And and that was probably the, the greatest skill I learned while being a consultant. How have you been able to carry that forward? So doing that, I, I know you had two opportunities to do that at Marketo and Aperio, but how did you continue to make that mindset of jumping in and being customer facing, understanding the product when you're thrown into a VP role as you have been in the last number of jobs? Yeah, well, the, the funny thing about being uh, in, in professional services or consulting, um, and I, I literally must have gone to over 100 companies throughout the world, teeny tiny little startups to GE and Honeywell and uh, American Express. I, I've worked at all of them as a consultant. And there's a lot of common pain and common themes for every marketing organization. So it became very clear to me um, what sort of symptoms I, I would witness, how to diagnose the issue. And I've been able to pull that forward with me as a leader. There's commonality that as marketers, we face across the board, no matter the company, the the vertical you're in, the product you're selling, we have some common core issues that we all need to work through. And so I've never kind of lost sight of that. What are the core issues we as marketers need to be focusing on? And it's talking to our customers, engaging our customers, supporting our sales organizations and the the company's bottom line. Um, and building a strong organization that's able to scale and grow. And I think if you never lose sight of those three things, you can go to any company in the world and be successful. So actually, one of the things you hit on there that without a doubt comes from the customer success mindset is talk to customers. And it's so easy when you're a CSM, that's your role. You've got you know, the requirement to check in with people so often. How do you mandate that with your marketing team today, a team of 21, as you said, Is there an expectation? We always say that everyone should talk to the customer, but is that truly your expectation? That's a good question. And honestly, I think we can always be better at it. But the question we ask ourselves whenever we're considering launching a program or a campaign is, how's the customer going to react to this? Uh, Where's their voice in this? Is it it solving their pain? Um, And I think it's about holding each other accountable as a team, if we feel like we don't have the customer insight or, or uh, the customer voice represented in what we're trying to do, we pause and, and really ask ourselves how to go get that. So I don't know if it's about a regular cadence or a rigor with how we capture it, so much as holding each other accountable that the customer voice is always somehow represented in what we're doing. 
So who who finds that customer voice to begin with in, in your view of a marketing org and the way you run the team? I mean, there's obvious potential candidates from product marketing to the rise of customer marketing in the last number of years. Who do you kind of count on primarily? So I have a unique point of view on this one because I think every function of marketing is picking up on a different piece of the customer voice. So I think it's pretty obvious that product marketing is typically the one most responsible for capturing uh, the customer experience and, and, and trying to make sure that we are messaging that and representing that properly. That They're probably the formal owner, but content owns a lot of that direct relationship. They're building case studies and they're the ones a lot of times on the phone with the customers talking about joint marketing opportunities. And then you have growth marketing or demand gen, and they're looking at a completely different customer experience. They're, they're looking at a, a lot of how customers are interacting with things at the top of funnel and giving that feedback back to product marketing and back to content so that it's informing the way we all move forward as a team. So we all kind of hold a different responsibility when it comes to representing the customer voice wherever they might be on the journey. Interesting. You know, the other connected question, and maybe the last one before we take a quick break here, but we've been talking a lot about the role of your team being the marketing team. But as we know, once you get to the executive table, your other team are the other executives, you know, your VP of sales, your VP of success. How do you work with them to understand the voice of the customer? Yeah. So Ramp is particularly interesting because um, our executive team at every level is pretty engaged with the customer in a really intimate way. I think 90% of my CEO's day is spent talking to customers or people in the industry. So he almost has the best uh, embodiment of the customer voice and and becomes a, a great tip of the spear for us as the marketing team. But then um, the product org is also my biggest partner. Um, I think traditionally marketing and sales have a really strong marriage, but I think there's a shift towards marketing and product having a stronger marriage when it comes to the customer voice these days, especially with the insights that we're being given now through tools like Pendo, um, where customers are interacting with the product and giving feedback real time that the product team can then share and distill down uh, to the marketing org. So at the executive level, we're, we're all kind of, again, sharing our different access points to the customer journey and, and making sure that we all have the full picture. That's so well put. And you know, very similarly, when Joe was on the podcast, he talked a little bit about product-led growth versus you know, a few years back, he would have talked about content-led growth. Yes. So, so definitely a shift happening there. Uh, Ashley, we're going to keep you around. We're going to take a short break. We've tipped to so many different next steps that we can go as we talk about the buyer journey right after a break here on The Marketer's Journey. Want to improve the buyer journey for your customers and your prospects? Look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. Named a leader in content experience by G2 and a leader in content activation by Forrester, Uberflip will help you accelerate every buyer journey by creating bingeable experiences that will allow your prospects to consume more content faster. Companies like Trimble, Wiley, and 3M are using Uberflip to power their go-to-market strategies, and we created one just for you. Head to uberflip.com journey to see how Uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences.
I really love when we have two guests and their stories tell a story together. And that's truly the case as you hear Ashley there talk about product-led growth. We had a great episode with Joe Chernoff just to help you find that one. If you go to Spotify, go to iTunes, wherever you might be, episode number 79 is a great one to queue up after this one with Joe Chernoff. And he talks about the role of product-led growth. Now, as important as that is, I think if you stay tuned in the second half here, Ashley's gonna share with you how we ensure that product and marketing and sales work together to have those three elements creating an amazing customer experience. Stay tuned right after this message. We're back here on the marketer's journey. Ashley, we hit on so many different areas, but one of the lines that you threw was this idea of owning customer experience. And in passing, you mentioned that we associate product marketers to own that very often. But I'm hearing more and more that customer experience might be the new way we talk about marketing as a team. What are your thoughts there? So I think we all agree that the buyer's journey um, has really changed in the last couple of years. They're in complete control over how they buy. They are educated buyers. Almost no one is a first-time buyer. They know the drill, which means, as we know that stat, something like 90% of the buying cycle is done before they even engage with you. They've done their homework. Um, so that means for an interesting exercise from a marketing perspective, uh, it means that so much of what I put into the world is probably going to be consumed before I even get to meet uh, meet the customer. And, and so that's almost the invisible part of the customer experience that I think marketing has to really lean into this organic side of creating that customer experience. A lot of content work, a lot of market work, uh, just kind of those underpinnings of your message that are out in the world that aren't as blatant as somebody downloading something on your website. So there's that part of the customer experience that I think marketing needs to own. And uh, it's a little intimidating for people. And I'm not sure everyone's cracked the code on that. That's the first piece. Um, the second piece is, I think, historically, a uh, lead comes in, you hand them over to sales. Hopefully you have a nice handoff there, great alignment. Um, but there is this trend towards the product experience taking over more of that customer experience. So a lot of tools now have a freemium, um, this, this idea of being product-led and getting people into the tool before they even talk to a salesperson. Um, and there are many software solutions out in the world today that can help you mimic that freemium too. So this is truly where I think the customer experience is going. Get them straight into the product. And that becomes a very interesting thing to manage. It forces marketing and product to really look at things holistically. So on my team, I have a growth marketer who's responsible for the external experience once the person has entered the product. And then on the product side, they have their growth product manager who's responsible for the internal experience once the customer has entered the product. So the two of them work super tightly to create this beautiful in-sync uh, life cycle for the customer that externally, they're getting all the right messaging, whether it's emails or, or other triggers from the marketing side to support their customer experience. And then internally, the product team is, is mimicking that inside the product with messaging and nudging and making sure that the adoption is happening correctly. So getting those two to work super tightly 
is, is where I think the world is going when it comes to customer experience. In our world, in a perfect world, after that is when we engage the sales team. And the sales team comes in and closes that deal. And we've done a really beautiful job of teeing up uh, a perfectly qualified, I wouldn't call it lead, I would call it a, a bluebird opportunity ready to close because they've had a really fantastic customer experience. Wow, that was amazing and, and so much to unpack there. And I want to start, I want to go back to the first half of your answer, which I was I was already overwhelmed at that point as a marketing <laughs> mind thinking about this because we all know that there's always this struggle. Uh, we often have our demand marketers and we think about them creating this, this cadence, if you will, whether it's an email cadence or whether it's ads and everything we layer on there from a channel perspective. But then to your earlier point, we need the right content. And so the question is, well, who's creating the cadence and who's really responsible for thinking about that customer experience? When you talk about this primary group, from the marketing side, before we layer in the product group and the sales group, as you hit on, who do you look at to really champion those efforts? Is it someone for more from the demand side or is it someone more from perhaps the content side? Yeah, we have a team, I call it a tiger team, that's focused on what we just call organic. And that can be interpreted in a lot of different ways. But there's four key players in that organic tiger team. The two are not on marketing. There's the technical and the programmatic, right? Things that are happening just kind of under under the hood to make sure that we're generating the right organic activity. But where the magic happens is between lifecycle marketing on my team who lives in demand generation and then um, our organic content person. And the two of them are responsible for sort of crafting that journey um, understanding the messaging, testing, experimenting, killing experiments when they don't work, and and continuing to iterate. Interesting, interesting. So, so this tiger team is working together, and how often will they meet? With that second half of your answer, for those who have to hopefully not rewind to remember that, but you you highlighted the importance of you know product ownership, and I mean there are great solutions out there like Reprise and other ones now yes. that are making it really easy for us to mimic, as you said, an experience that is like a freemium, even if we can't offer one. Right. Um, so how often are they meeting? All the time. Ramp is a pretty unique culture in that um, we all have a bit of a, a product management mindset. And that's been um, new for me as a marketer. And I'm trying very hard to adopt the growth mindset and, and try new things here. But we operate in sprints and experiments constantly. So that organic team and life cycle and, and our organic content in particular are in constant contact with one another with the experiments and the sprints that they're launching to see what's working and what's not. Um, they are rerouting leads, looking at it the next day, making a call, trying something new. So we are being really agile in the way that we're testing out the way we're designing the life cycle. Interesting, interesting. So I wanna ask a, a much more tactical question on this alignment between these different teams. And, and I don't actually know the answer to how your team's structured with all this growth. I'm assuming given the pandemic, you've been remote. Is that a fair assumption? Completely fair. So one of the things I, I've heard a lot of people struggling with is cross-departmental alignment 
because it's it was one thing when we were all in an office and it's like, let's go meet in this room, go grab someone from the product marketing team, see if they can join on the fly. It should be just as easy with Zoom or whatever we might have. But how do you ensure doing so in those spur of the moment versus creating too many meetings? To your point about having the perfect answer here, this is something I'm chewing on real time right now. Um, it's been a major theme of the last couple of weeks of planning for me as we get ready for 22. Um, because at Ramp, we are built in such a unique way and, and such an agile way that that cross-functional collaboration is mission critical for us. Um, so part of it starts with common terms, common definitions, common frameworks, common objectives. We work with a team in biz operation, business operations for us that they overlap a lot with us in terms of lead gen and the way that that comes to life. And uh, we were not working well together. We were bashing heads. We were overlapping. Uh, it, was, it was getting frustrating. And we took a step back a few weeks ago and, and said, hold, hold on. Uh, we all want to be doing the same thing here. One team. We have one objective. Where are we going wrong? Our frameworks were not the same. The way we were bringing our campaigns or programs or uh, our experiments to life was not the same. We were not using the same language. So we took a step back. We wrote a document with how we define a campaign or an experiment and the framework through which to execute it. And I almost cried last night, actually, because I saw a, an experiment come to life last night with that team and my team 100% over Slack. And because the framework was so well-defined, they executed an entire experiment without even getting on a meeting in about 30 Slack messages. There were about seven people involved. It was wow, That's amazing. So I think it's about the framework. It's about the methodology and then being rigorous and sticking to that. And it's something I've never seen in any other company. And I'm, I'm trying really hard to wrap my brain around because it's pretty magical. I love that. I mean, one of the things we haven't talked about at all here is technology. And, and I think that's the right approach. I mean, you know, you've hired so many people. One of the things I always say is the people process technology triangle. Text the last piece. You know, you need good people. You need processes, as you just said, with that framework that people can buy into. Then the technology will allow you to scale. So I, I think that's a really interesting takeaway there. We're going to take one more break here. Keep you around for some rapid fire questions right back here on The Marketer's Journey. Ashley there hit on the importance of frameworks, and I've always believed in this. In absence of frameworks, we often end up with broken telephone inside of our organization. Marketing says one thing, the first sales reps takes that and puts their spin on it. The next BDR, their own spin, their own spin. And before you know it, marketing can't believe what's being sold. That's why a framework's so important. At Uberflip, I came up with the content experience framework, built that into a book, ensure that every one of our new employees reads that, ensures that different departments build our customer journey along that type of model. Really think about what is your storyline and what is that framework that your entire organization can buy into. All right, so we've unpacked Ashley's career journey. We've talked a little bit about the buyer journey. Now let's get to some fun personal journey questions and just opinions on your side. The first rapid fire question I've got for you, Ashley, is 
thinking about the path that someone goes through and, and yours is quite unique, as you said, you know, starting out as a consultant and then you've done a variety of different roles. But do you think the next marketing leader will come from more of a generalist approach or a specialization? I'm bullish on generalist. Um, I think to be in this seat, you have to be a Swiss army knife. Uh, but I also think you need to understand where your weaknesses are and then hire for that. It's okay to be stronger in product marketing than demand generation, so long as you can hire that partner to compliment you. Yeah, it's so well put. And I think we we can't be scared of hiring someone who's going to make make us look even better because they're lo- they look better than us. What, very well put. As as you think about marketers today, what's one thing you wish they all did more of? Ask more questions why we're doing things. Um, being more thoughtful about that. I think sometimes we get really caught up in the day-to-day and just trying to tick things off the list and myself included, we need to ask, why are we doing these things? I think that's a great question. Great book to start with why. Yes. All right. Third one here for you. We, we didn't talk a ton about content today, but you know, it's near and dear to my heart. When you get content marketing put in front of you as a buyer, what is the content that really stands out? I love uh, bite-sized content. At Pendo, we used to call it snacks, things that make me smarter more quickly and I can take it away and implement it or, or think about it and chew on it and it'll have me coming back for more. Um, I'm I'm thinking long-form content has a time and a place, but uh, in today's attention span, those bite-sized pieces and getting my attention quickly, teaching me quickly, letting me go on my way, that that's the value I, I get the most out of content. It's great. I, I agree. Uh, I mean, that's how we read most of our news these days. It's it's similarly how we got to get content delivered. So my my team dug this one up. Uh, full disclosure, they they said that they've seen you use the term weird to describe <laughs> out of box i out of the box ideas. So you know that marketing that really stands out. How do you balance though that weird marketing with the ability to prove ROI? Yeah. So I think I have to clarify with what I mean by weird. I think um, a lot of marketing has started to look like each other. There's a lot of vanilla marketing out in the world right now. Uh, I think companies are afraid to have a bold voice, a bold point of view, ruffle a few feathers. And that's what I mean by weird. Like, let's go out and say some weird things. Let's build some weird landing pages. Let's get weird with the creative. So traditional channels, but showing up bold. That's what I mean by weird. And I think that almost always gives me more ROI than anything else. That's great. That's my type of marketing. Couldn't agree anymore. All right, last one for you here today, Ashley. We've talked, as I said, about your career journey, the buyer journey, on the personal journey side. Where are you going for your next break? And how do you find time for that break? That's a great question. I don't have a next break planned. And that is mainly because of COVID. It's been just such an unpredictable ride, such an unpredictable journey. Um, The good news is I really love my home. I really love my hometown. um, And I love doing staycations. I find no shame in that. So there will probably be a staycation in my future um, until the COVID subsides a little bit more. And then I'm going to be out on the international circuit. I can assure you of that. Creating time for that. I am an absolute bulldog when it comes to creating time and creating boundaries for my personal life. I have three young children. 
They're my number one priority no matter what. I drop them off at school every morning. I pick them up at school most days that I can. Um, and so creating the the time for them and the time for myself to go on those vacations, uh, I, I'm just relentless about it. It's pretty simple. I put it on the calendar and I don't let it budge. And I have no shame in that. And I want my team to have no shame in that too. I think it's really important we all embrace those boundaries. That's so true. And you, and you put a great tip in there that hopefully people heard. You got to put those personal times in your calendar before people think they can book into them. Once they're there, they're as holy as any other meeting you got. Uh, this has been great, Ashley. I, I can't thank you enough for finding time to chat with us today. So much learned. And I'm sure everyone tuning in took so much away. Check out some of the other great conversations we've had with marketing leaders. As you chart your own journey, hopefully one day you'll be on this podcast to share it too. Till next time, this is The Marketer's Journey. You've been listening to The Marketer's Journey podcast. Big thanks to our sponsors at Uberflip, who help you fuel demand generation with content for an accelerated buyer journey. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify at uberflip.com slash podcast or anywhere you listen to podcasts.